What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information athletic communications profession. I'm not feeling too well this week, guys. Um, got a little uh, illness, maybe. I'm not quite sure. Um, had quite quite the time lately. Uh, got tendonitis in my elbow because of my lifting and my rock climbing, and I've been doing a lot of yoga. I've been pretty active, actually. Um, so I've been paying the price for that. And then uh, either allergies or it's always around this time of year. You know, everybody gets it. You've got it. I've got it. Um, we'll just move on from that. So, But I do want to thank everybody that has purchased a T-shirt for SIDcast. If you don't know where to do that, you can go to cottonbureau.com slash products slash SIDcast. And it has to be all lowercase or else you learn the hard way. And it's a 404 error for you if you put capital SID. But I want to thank you all for that. Um, very comfortable t-shirts, enjoy them, uh, I like the way they look, we do have another design kind of in the process right now, because um, I know that it's, it's, it's strange, it really is, I'm, I'm literally wearing right now another podcast t-shirt, uh, or a man, and he doesn't really have the logo on here at all, on the back there's a, there's a axe, like a fire axe, or, or a, a woods axe type of thing, and with the banner, wrapped around it uh, that has some of the uh, founding things of the podcast. And I was like, well, none of what he does has his logo on it. So I've been thinking around a little bit, kicking around some ideas that maybe uh, maybe a restaurant type of logo, like a 50s diner. I know we always, if you, if you make it to the end of the episode where we have restaurant bar recommendations, uh, doing kind of a navy blue Maybe with an SID cast, I, I don't know. I'll come up with some restaurant name and we can, we can make that a thing. Um, but yeah, just an idea. And uh, we are approaching very fast, very quickly. It just hit me a couple hours ago that we're very, very close to uh, year two. And we're also very close to our uh, two-year event that we will be doing every year from here on out. Uh I knew I always knew I wanted to do something special, I wanted a little bit more depth for something like this, but the only way to participate is to be on our newsletter. And you could do that by going to sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. Uh, and it's a Google form. There's three questions. It's your name, where you work, your email address. That's all it is. And then you'll get a nice, easy, I think, good looking uh, for a guy that doesn't use InDesign a whole lot. Uh, InDesign document for me, the newsletter what the episode kind of summary is, what it's about. Um, you also get a sneak peek of the schedule graphic, who's coming up. Uh, those people also got the news of the uh, t-shirt uh, first, because they always do. And now those newsletter subscribers will be able to get to participate. Uh, I think in the next week or two, we might start hinting a little bit toward it uh, before giving you guys a full week heads up before going into that process, that voting process. Uh, with that so uh, that's what's going on follow us on social media at sports simplecast on twitter and facebook um, you can also email me anytime sports simplecast at gmail.com this is episode one number 92 guys we're getting awfully close uh, i was filling out my uh, october calendar actually and uh, noticed that we were getting very very close i think through october we will hit 98 at the end of october and that's absolutely crazy to me I was thinking about uh, who to have on and everything. I started making, I always have a list of people. If you're thinking to yourself, like, well, who, who's on the list? You'll know um, eventually one of these times. That's a pretty long list. Uh, but we will probably, I'm thinking, dare to kick off your three, revisit some people that uh, we may or may not have had on in year one. Um, that kind of, were either one changing jobs, two young in their career, or three growing with us as the podcast was growing back when we just recorded in literally one raw take. And then as we were talking post post interview, I would be uploading to SoundCloud just as I was talking to them and then post it on the spot. Um, we don't do that anymore, but uh, we'll probably have those people on. There's a list of about eight, nine individuals that uh, I want to revisit, see what's going on with life with them. Uh, people have had kids since then. They've moved jobs since then. I think, I think, I don't have my phone on me right now, but of the people on my list right now, only one of them has retained the same position. Um, 
and everybody else has either one had a child or two moved jobs or three both. Um, so we will talk to them again, revisit some new people. Um, gosh, every time I get on Twitter to find somebody uh, to maybe reach out to on the podcast, um, it seems like everybody's moving jobs at this time. And I usually like to have you in a position to where you're at your new spot, um, maybe more than a year. So there, there have been several people I've had to cross out of my head because they took a new position, don't really have the depth. I, I would really appreciate people that um, uh, was kind of settled down a little bit. Uh, now that I think about it, in, in the back of my mind, I got somebody in mind right now that I, re- that I asked a year ago who told me no um, for the very specific reason that he didn't have time to settle down. I didn't realize he moved jobs, but uh, that's just the way we do things. If you got somebody and you're like, oh, they just got to school, why? Well, what, what do you mean by just? Is it a year ago? Is it three months ago? Is it yesterday? Um, if not, we'll probably, we'll probably uh, leave them alone, let them get, some, get their feet under them at the new position uh, before we come right back to them. So uh, anyway, I've been rambling on a little bit too long here. We do have Sean Stevenson today for episode number 92. He's a great guy, uh, Georgia guy. And um, he's been a big fan of the show for a long time. And I've always meant to have him on. I was supposed to meet with him at Cosida. I had to go to a wedding. Uh, felt bad about that, but I was glad I could get back in touch with him. Uh, other than uh, the, the occasional tweet or two uh, that he we encounter each other in, but, um, Southeast Missouri guy, that's where I knew him from, and then I let, again, let him kind of get his feet underneath him, he's at Georgia now, a power five, he went from an FCS to power five, big baseball guy, um, we'll talk about different things, like having to give up the dream of baseball, and, and moving to this new position that you weren't really all sure about, maybe that he'd never heard of before, uh, which is kind of scary, move for him as far as his career goes. We'll talk about uh, what was like the job process coming out of CMO, and then once he realized that he's got to leave, it's time for him to move on, go to Georgia. Uh, relationships with student-athletes, all of which are very important. Uh, but we will start off episode number 92 today of SID Cast with Sean Stevenson of the Georgia Bulldogs and his very first taste of sports information right here on SID Cast. First taste of sports information came when I was I was just a little sport management major at Southeast Missouri State University. Um, I'm going to kind of take it back a little further than that. Um, I was actually the baseball manager at SEMO, and uh, through that, my sophomore year, I got to know our SID at the time, Bo Bunton. And you know, I was going to do my my practicum, my 80-hour practicum, my first semester of junior year. Because I wasn't going to do it during the spring because spring is baseball season. So, you know, during the sophomore year, I was asking Bo, I'm like, you know, what should I do my, my practicum? And he's like, oh, you should you should do it in sports info. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So I went in and I met with Jeff Hansa and, you know, he signed the paperwork and, you know, that was kind of my first taste. So junior year rolls around and I was actually given responsibility across country i had never written anything before i had never seen anything about cross country i knew nothing about it i was just like you know you just run um so you know and i also had the opportunity to work you know the football games and the volleyball games and soccer and you know, all that during the fall and then basketballs obviously rolled around and then towards the end of that semester jeff asked um if i would be interested in sticking around and working with softball the next semester and i was like yeah by all means so i, I eventually quit baseball um and i wanted to switch over to sports info because i could kind of let my what little creative side i have out and <laughs> yeah. you know i wasn't able to do that so much with doing baseball laundry and managing equipment and that sort of thing so that, that was kind of my my real first taste of it and the rest is history so you're a St. Louis native. Uh, why did you choose Southeast Missouri in the first place? Um, I choose Southeast, honestly. Um, I really didn't look anywhere else. 
Um, I knew they had a sport management degree. That's kind of what I wanted to get into. Um, I was also the manager in, at my high school uh, for baseball. So I was like, you know, I'm going to be an equipment manager one day. And oh. um, so that was kind of what I wanted to get into. And they had it. It was close to home. Uh, it was affordable. And that's the route I took. I actually I applied and then went down for like an open house. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I was accepted before I even saw the campus. Yeah, so I knew that's where I wanted to be. Yeah, that's the way I was with uh, USI. Here was um, we were just looking to go back to school, and uh, I was just looking around a little bit, saw Southern Indiana. I applied, and I got in the next week or something like that. And then I never, never ever visited, never visited until my orientation. So we're kind of the same boat there. But uh, let's see here. What was it like for you? Like you said, you wanted to be an equipment manager. You found this new industry, this new position that you could get a part of. What was it like for you to say goodbye to being the manager for baseball? Oh, boy. Um, Let's see. Yeah, it was hard. But like I said, I knew that this was something I was going to enjoy because it was going to kind of trigger a different part of my brain, I guess you could say. Um. And I think I liked it more because if I was just with baseball, it would have been just baseball. Uh-huh. Whereas in sports info, it's it's everything. You get a little bit of you know every sport. And working at a place like SEMO, it's a it's a mid major, so it's you know you you not only helped with the sports info side of things, but you would help with the facilities and event management. You would help with the marketing, just you know little pieces here and there. It wasn't huge projects or anything, mm-hmm. but you, you got a taste of all that. And, you know, that's kind of what, I don't know, how am I going to say this? Um, I should say, because of my love of baseball to begin with, I knew I wanted to get back into baseball, but from the sports info side, which I eventually did. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we'll probably talk about it later in terms of, like, favorite memories and whatnot, but those ended up being some of the best years of my life. So... You were in kind of un- <clears throat> excuse me. You were in a kind of a unique position to where one of your first responsibilities was a pretty big sport that most people don't get. Like my first sport responsibility here at USI was golf or mm-hmm. tennis, and you were in the position where you had to take softball. So, what were some things that you had to learn, uh, kind of on the fly, or what some things that they trained you for? Um, was there anything that you didn't really expect once you got into softball season? Uh, well, for one thing, scoring. Uh, <laughs> you know. I never really thought about it until I was actually, you know, an official scorer for, you know, a softball game. And my first year as an undergrad, you know, in the office with softball, I, I didn't travel at all, but senior year I was traveling. So I think the, probably the most difficult part was our prior to me, you know, the relationship in our office hadn't been great with our softball coach. So Jeff at the time was like, you know, I want you to really rebuild this relationship with, uh, with coach Richmond and she had been there for, I think 18 years at that point. Like she had been there a really long time. She was very successful. So I was just like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And honestly, like that's something that I worked on and I helped rebuild that relationship. And, um, I ran into her right when I got the job here at Georgia and I told her that I was coming down. She was so excited for me. And, you know, so it was kind of one of those things. It was like, how am I going to work this? And I ended up doing it. Um, so it, it definitely was a huge learning curve just in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that answered your question or not, but <laughs> no, I think it does. So what were some things, maybe some things that you tried to kind of build that relationship a little bit? Um, communication was the biggest part. Um, communication and just being around, you know, whether that was popping into practice just because I lived actually right across the street from the softball field my senior year. So when I was, Going home from class, I would pop in, or if I was sitting in my apartment, I would just say, you know what, softball's out there, I'm going to, you know, throw my tennis shoes on and run out there, maybe shag balls or something, Mm -hmm. Um, just being around, and that has actually instilled in me what I still do today, if, you know, if it might be a slow day in the office, I might run over to volleyball practice or run over to softball practice and just be there. Right. Okay. That's fair. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some minor league baseball here. You you did some work for are they the Green Jackets? Yep. Uh, so you did a little work for them. Uh, what was kind of the things that you did there? Um, anything different than what you did with Sports Information at Southeast Missouri? 
Um, very much so. It was actually a general internship. Oh. So there were probably about six or so of us interns, and you know it varied from um, you know working in the box office, taking tickets. We could work with um, the the marketing director, uh, parking cars, like in concession stands. So we got a little taste of everything. Mm. And I was actually the only one to get any kind of media relations experience while I was down there. Cause the media relations director, he, his brother was getting married and he was the best man one weekend. He also did radio. So he comes into the, we were actually like housed in our conference room and he comes in one day and says, does any of you have a media relations experience? I'm like, well, I do. Uh, and this was just after my junior year. So I only had one year of, you know, of yeah. experience with this. And so I didn't have to do the radio part. All I had to do was write the recaps. That was before like Twitter was a big thing in terms of, you know, game day, Twitter tweets and uh-huh. updates and that sort of thing. Um, so it was just a recap. That's all I had to do. So that was actually a lot of fun. And I actually, I've always used, I've always been a sidearm user, both at SEMO and now here at Georgia. But um, the Green Jackets were using the, the BAM, the Baseball Advanced Media System. And the back end is so convoluted. You have to like put things in, you have to run it, then you have to post it. It was the most like bizarre thing ever. Uh-huh. Um, like I probably watched him do it 10, 15 times and I still struggled to do it when it came time to post the recap. Um, but you know, it was as most sports internships are unpaid. Um, mm. But I had an opportunity to do you know a couple internships in St. Louis at the time. But they were basically running concession stands all summer. They weren't paid either. Um, or it was, and those were both for Frontier League teams. Whereas this was with a high-A ball um, baseball team. So, And it was also far away. I was like, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to just try something new, get out of the state of Missouri, and, you know, really just meet new people. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, we'll talk about a little bit about that uh, getting in, breaking into the sport management career here in a little bit. But uh, what about coming back to SEMO? You, you graduated in 2013, didn't get the Georgia job until 2017. So you're at SEMO for a while. What did it mean for you to work, come back and work for your alma mater, the, really the only school that you applied for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it definitely helped that. So when I graduated, the intern at the time, he was leaving, and he it was basically like a full-time intern, like a sports information assistant, and uh, Jeff asked me into his office before graduation, it's probably, you know, that month, and he said, you know, would you like to would you like to stay on if possible? I was like, well, yeah, and I knew that baseball was going to be part of that, mm-hmm. and um, so I was like, you know, I, I really want to do this, and the head coach at the time was uh, Steve Beezer, and... So Steve was actually our coach in high school. So I was his manager way back in high school. So I've known Steve since he was my geometry teacher junior year. Like, we go way back. So the opportunity to be his SID was definitely, like, you know, the big thing. And it was going to be a great feeling to work with him again from a different side of things. And, uh, yeah, but to kind of circle back to what it meant to work for SEMO, you know, I really felt like I was going to, you know, help really propel the sports information department and the athletic department in general and uh, kind of help take it to a new level just in terms of coverage and I wanted to be a part of that I felt things were really shaping up Uh, and like I said I wanted to be a part of that yeah that sounds great did you have anything lined up before that month before graduation nope no, so you had absolutely nothing. So I had, did, I had nothing. Did they kind of elevate your responsibilities a little bit once you graduated and went, started working within the department kind of full-time in a way? Yeah, uh, I was so involved as a student. I mean, I was in there, you know, I had how many hours during the week and office hours. So then, you know, just being able to come into work at 8 o'clock in the morning and just work, mm-hmm. that was awesome. So I could put, focus all of my time into that. Um, you know, our social media was really taking off at the time. So I really wanted to kind of, you know, help. I made a, a SEMO baseball Twitter. I made that from, you know, I, I created that page. And I think by the time I left, it was up to 4,000 followers, nice. which to me was like, actually like awesome. Like I grew this to 4,000 followers. Um, I worked with a whole bunch of different sports over my time. They're just like, as I kind of climbed the ladder 
And social media was definitely a big part of every rung of that ladder, yeah. just in terms of growing that. And, you know, like, I kind of see the remnants of that still. Um, of course, I follow them. So I'll see different things. I'll, I'll see templates that I made that they're kind of still using. Uh-huh. Um, it's like, okay, like, you know, I guess that kind of withstood the test of time a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So what were some things that, because not everybody gets to do that. Not everybody gets to start those pages from scratch, especially when you're coming into the profession now. These pages have been around forever, and we just talked last week uh, with Rob Knox about maybe he had to start, uh, or a couple weeks ago, rather, with Rob Knox to where he started his sports information department from scratch. You know, He he worked his way up from D3, and they had nothing. So what was it like uh, starting out and then building that following for you? Um, I mean, I I, I got to, you know, thank the team itself because I started that page going into the 2014 baseball season and you know we weren't expected to win a championship that year and it was it was under Steve's second year and we go and we win a championship it was amazing so to be able to give those updates you know that helped and it kept people updated we had radio for every single game but um like I said like Twitter was just taking off and people wanted to follow and uh, gifts were like a huge thing, not gifts of the game, but like the fun gifts that uh-huh. have nothing to do with the game. Um, I used those so much and that's what people love to follow. Like, Oh, you know, so-and-so hits a home run. What gift am I going to tweet out? Mm-hmm. And you know, people just love that. So that really helped grow the page. And I think that was probably one of the hardest things to do when I left was actually like logging out of the SEMO baseball page on my Twitter. Um, just because that was my like real true baby. That was your baby, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we talk about this a little bit, but like I mentioned, you know, off air, everybody's answer is a little different with everything. But how did you walk the line of being what was appropriate to tweet out, like those gifts, like gifts or gifs, whoever you are, um, like you mentioned, and uh, it's showing your personality a little bit. How, how did you kind of balance between being professional? And being personable with with your audience. That's a, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of them. Yeah. Let's see. I don't know. If, if I just thought it was going to be fun, I wasn't going to tweet anything racy or, uh-huh. you know, uh, or if I thought that it was even, if I had a second thought of should I tweet this, I wasn't going to tweet it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just going to have fun with it. And that's that was the main thing. Um, yeah. So yeah. just one of those, you know, what we preach to our student athletes is, or at least what I do, is just think think twice. So that goes for them, but it also goes for me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come across as as cocky on Twitter or anything like that, because even though I'm tweeting from you know behind the curtain, as they say, you know, Wizard of Oz reference, um, you know, I still know that's me. My coaches know that's me. My student athletes know that's me, and I don't want that to reflect poorly on on me. Okay. So. Yeah, that's completely fair, and, and social media is supposed to be fun. You know, it, it doesn't yeah. have to be business all the time, unless you're a a business account or like a business magazine or something like that. But showing the personality a little bit is something that I want to work on definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I know that there are like different departments that like that's never happened before. So I, when I tweeted something out during baseball one time with a, with a gift, my bosses were like, what in the world is that? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, um, yeah, interesting to me, interesting to other people. Uh, like you said, people enjoy seeing those types of things. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully everybody starts to lighten up on Twitter a little bit. But So you left SEMO. And before we move on any farther, I want you to answer this for me. What was it? It's kind of the same line as the baseball thing. What was it like for you to say goodbye to SEMO? It was hard just because I had had so many different friends, both in undergrad, which were for the most part gone at that Mm. point. Um, Saying goodbye to those friendships was probably the the hardest part. Um, As I'm sure you know, working in a smaller department, you know everybody in the athletic department. Yeah. You know all, all everybody in an admin. You know all the coaches. Like you know them all, and you know you come to a place like a size of Georgia or really any Power Five or even maybe even a Group of Five school, and you know you might not know everybody. And I like to think that I'm a pretty sociable person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'll see somebody in the hallway that's like I, I have no clue who you are. Um, but that was probably the hardest part of leaving yeah that's fair so what was life like for you maybe that interview process where 
you know, Georgia calls you or emails you back and says, we'd like to interview you? Uh, so small world, actually. I knew that I was kind of, I was finishing up year two of, you know, being full time at SEMO. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to kind of start looking just mm-hmm. to see what's out there. And I wasn't going to leave just to leave. I was going to leave and make a move. And I had applied somewhere and that kind of fell through. And then it was actually right around this time. It was um, right around the week of Labor Day. Um, Georgia had actually posted our gymnastics job. And my old roommate at the time, um, his sister was actually the intern here last year. Okay. And so I just, and you know, well, I can expound upon that later. Um, but it's kind of like one of those small world kind of things. And so I asked Matthew, I'm like, Hey, um, can you give me Jackie's number? I would just like to call her and ask her about this job. Cause I had a job where I was at, at baseball and I had a you know really good baseball team, really good baseball coach. Um, and just, you know, everything was going for me at the time, but I was like, you know, is a, leaving for a sport that I'm, you know, not super interested in, but it is Georgia gymnastics. Like it's a pretty big deal. What do I think that would be worth it? So I called Jackie and she's like, well, we're actually going to be posting volleyball and softball here in a couple days. I'm like, okay. Okay. Now you're talking. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I had been wanting to get back with the volleyball team. I had women's soccer the last couple of years and, um, I had had volleyball before that, and I just fell in love with volleyball. I had a great time with it, um, so I was like really itching to get back into volleyball. And I was like, okay, and you know, in Georgia softball, like they're, they're pretty damn good. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was like, okay, like talk to me about this. So she said, well, this was I actually talked to her on Labor Day because they were having their Monday football press conference, and the next day the job was posted. I I sent my stuff in, about a week or so later. Um, they actually emailed me back and like the next day I was on a Skype interview with the associates and then they said, well, you know, Claude, our head guy, he'll, he'll probably want to talk to you. So he'll probably call you tomorrow or the next day. So Claude calls me and about a week or so later, I'm down in Athens. And, um, I think it was that next Thursday, maybe the Friday, Claude actually called me and offered. And you know, like two weeks later, I was essentially down here in Athens. Mm-hmm. So it was a very quick process. Right. Yeah. But it was uh, it was a whirlwind. Like crossover season was coming up. Like it was insane. Yeah. But I want to trade it for the world. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like? Kind of. I, I hear. I pe- I talk to people. Plenty of interviews on this show that where people are called in right in the middle of the season or right in the start of the season. So what what was it like to kind of get caught up in a sense and have to get moved in all at the same time? Um, so coming in, like in the middle of volleyball season, it was my head coach, Tom, he was in his first year. So working with a first year head coach, you know, at least at a school is always kind of, it's not so much difficult, but you're trying to figure out, you're trying to figure them out. They're trying to figure you out. They're trying to figure out what they want in general, you know, for their program. So that was probably the most difficult part. Mm -hmm. Um, Jackie had been doing a great job filling in. She had never done anything with volleyball in her life. Um, so she had to learn how to call stats. Um, she had to do game notes. She had to do the whole nine yards. Like she did a fantastic job. Um, so by the time I came in, you know, things were just ready to just take the reins from her. Mm-hmm. And actually, on my interview, I was talking to Trey Littlefield in our office, and he's had that small school experience before. And I asked him, you know, Trey, what's the biggest difference between a small school and a place like Georgia? And what he said is completely accurate. It's the job is pretty much the same. You just deal with more TV. Okay. So by the time I come down here, it's, you know, it was actually kind of funny. The first match I covered, they were at Mizzou. Um, volleyball was. So it was like I'm covering a like my, my new team in, you know, my old home state. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like we, we watched it on TV and uh, Jackie and I were in my office and it was just, it was tweeting, it was writing a recap and, you know, the next week doing game notes and, you know, doing availability. Like it was just the same exact thing, but just learning some new names. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's all. That's awesome. I completely understand. So, well, I don't cause we don't have TV and <laughs> eyes, you know, and sometimes that's, that's a good thing. 
because you don't quite garner all the attention. You can kind of go about your, your own business. But uh, let's talk a little bit. You were prepared to apply for the gymnastics job. Were you preparing yourself at all to, like you said, you didn't really know gymnastics. You weren't really familiar with it. So were you preparing yourself at all to be acclimated to that sport before applying? Um, I think you always have to be ready for you know anything that's kind of thrown your way. Um, when Jeff hired me on way back when, right after graduation, I had never done anything with volleyball. Hmm. I had a, you know, I had seen it. I did a little PA in undergrad, uh, but I really didn't know the sport. I didn't know how to do the stats, like nothing like that. So, you know, I had to learn that. Um, I had to learn soccer. I had to learn women's basketball. So, you know, I've been in that position enough that, you know, I would have been fine with applying for a job like gymnastics. And we had gymnastics at SEMO. So oh, I was, okay, yeah. I was still pretty familiar with it. Um, in fact, now I can kind of like very roughly kind of look at a routine and like guesstimate a score. Mm-hmm. And it's actually like really funny when I throw out there like, oh, you know, that that's a nine, eight or something like that. And it comes up nine, eight. I'm like, you know, let's go. <laughs> um, yeah. but you know, it's more of, would I be willing to apply for like a high profile sport like that? Um, mm-hmm. like, like I said, Georgia gymnastics is just, it is huge. I think they won, you know, 10 or so national titles in, in the program's history. Yeah. So it, it is definitely a very big thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about uh, something we've never talked about before on this pod here. It's breaking into the sport industry. And, and um, like you said, your first, it was kind of your minor league job, your first internship that you had for the summer with, with a minor league team. And, and it was unpaid. And that's the way that they always are. Uh, so what is it like, and I can kind of talk about this too, is – applying and searching for those sport management positions because they're unpaid they don't have housing and what you really have to do is get lucky and be in the area is is that about right pretty much i mean you have to be willing to take a risk yeah and my my roommate in undergrad for the first three years he was a an engineering physics major like we were polar opposite people but you know if that were that's a different story but when i was applying for this job and i got it um he's like I'm sure this is unpaid. Like he was just absolutely bewildered that I would even consider taking an unpaid internship. Mm-hmm. And he took an internship and it was, he got paid like $3,000 for the summer. And I'm yeah. like, that must be nice. <laughs> um, like the only money I got paid that entire summer, I got like 60 bucks pouring, pouring beer one night during like a thirsty Thursday. Um, and it was awesome. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you have to be willing to, to take that risk and, um, uh, you know, get out of your comfort zone, and you also have to be willing to work just long hours. And the, the earlier you figure that out, you know, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's the same way because I went back to my old high school because I, I went home for my birthday a couple of weeks ago, and I went to talk to some of the people that I knew, and um, they were they were like, "What do you do?" And I said, "I'm getting my master's in sport management." And they're like, "Oh, you could work for the Pacers." I was like, "No." And there's like one job out of the whole of the whole shebang that's that's just that way but and, and i i haven't had until this job i haven't had a summer job that was related to sport i've had offers but it was glorified garbage man intern uh-huh. and things like that and it was with the frontier league team as you mentioned so doing that and i know that there are a lot of young professionals out there it's kind of like uh put your nose to the grindstone like you said just make those lot of hours happen um i say volunteering too and not being afraid to take those unpaid things is going to go a long way just for the sake of resume building before you end up in a place like georgia so um let's uh talk about softball a little bit i know we talk about volleyball and we can go on about that for a little while but um your first year Georgia, College World Series, how was that for you? Um, I would say it was kind of unexpected. I mean, two years ago, they went to the World Series in 2016. Last year, you know, any of the any of the girls, any of the coaches will tell you, not the best year ever. Um, they finished last in the SEC. They still made an, an NCAA regional um, just because if you're an SEC team, like, you're basically just in. You're just in, yeah. um, But, you know, they still finished last in the league. And so it was kind of like, you know, what are, what are we going to expect this year? And all the freshmen we had from two years ago, you know, they're going to be sophomores this year. So it was, you know, let, let's see what we got. 
come out of the gate super hot. We uh, we lost the second game, which was against Oregon. You know, they were ranked number three at the time. Um, and then we go on a 25-game winning streak. And no, no matter who you're playing, whether it's a mid-major, whether it's power fives, whatever, 25 games straight is hard to win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, come out of the gate super hot in SEC play. And then, you know, our, our ace pitcher, Brittany Gray, like, then she, she goes down with an arm injury, and she's out for the rest of the season. She was a senior. She was a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she was putting in a ton of innings for us, and it was like, oh, okay, like, let's, let's yeah. see what we can do now. <laughs> uh, like, we had the offense to, to get us to, to OKC. So then it was just, well, we have the pitching. And we had a sophomore really step up. Mary Wilson did a great job. Um, the offense continued to just grind it out and uh, yeah that was definitely a remarkable thing um, you know like we, we go to I had the tweet like all ready to go at the end of the super regional and Tennessee was actually the home team they go and tie it and bomb the seventh I'm like okay well crap I gotta get my tweet away um, mm-hmm. we take a lead in the top of the eighth and you know I get the tweet ready again and I go to send it out, and I just kind of, like, sit there, and I'm just like, oh, my God, like, we're going we're going to OKC, we're going to a College World Series, and I don't think I'll ever forget it. Uh, Maurice from Tennessee brought one of his students with him, and he comes up and he shakes my hand, and he says, congratulations, you're going to a College World Series. And, like, that was just, like, super cool. Um, and then down on the field, there's actually a really great picture. I'm giving our, our video person a big old hug, and... Uh, it almost looks like I'm crying, even though I'm not. I set that record straight. <laughs> uh, but you know, it was definitely a, a great experience. And you know, we we go, we we lose both games. And at first, it was like, oh, you know, how how was the World Series? How was OKC? And my first response was, oh, you know, I, I wish we would have played better. But eventually, I had to stop myself and kind of like smack myself and say, like, what am I saying? Mm-hmm. Like, we made it to a women's college World Series. We were one of the last eight teams playing. Uh-huh. You no, know, it, it shouldn't have mattered how we played. Right. And um, yeah, I've got like a little shelf here in my office. It's got like the destination OKC hat and a little souvenir ball with my credential. Like, you yeah. know, first year that was that was definitely something. Yeah, it's really kind of ironic that you say that about the winning streak and stuff because our softball team did the same thing. They lost like 21 regular season games, won the conference tournament, was not even like in the regional like ranking at all. Won the conference tournament, goes to Springfield, wins the regional, wins the Super, goes to the College World Series, wins the whole thing. And we went on, I think it was about a 25-game win streak. You know, and it, we tied the record for the national champion with the most losses <laughs> that year. So hey, when, when you're when you're hot, you're hot. And yeah, when you're exactly, and that's the way it is. So man, Georgia and USI about the same. So and you've been at two different schools now, and I know that they're on the same level, but they are still vastly different in terms of resources. What's it been like for you transitioning? Maybe some things that you had at a mid-major school at SEMO, and now that you have or don't have now at Georgia with a Power Five. Um, probably the biggest thing is just bodies. Um, there were two full-timers in our office at SEMO and we had two full-time interns. So we were, we were essentially a four-person office. And we've got 10 full-timers here and we've got three GAs and two full-time interns along with a plethora of students. Uh-huh. So I think the biggest difference for me was at SEMO, we were, I mean, I was at almost every single event. Like all four of us, every event across the board pretty much. And whereas here, you know, I didn't have to be at every single basketball game. Um, I helped stat a couple women's games and one or two men's games. Um, but the other ones are if I wanted to watch it from my couch, I watch it from my couch. Um, so I think that was probably like the biggest difference. Um, yeah, just the amount of people that we have around. Yeah, that's fair. Um, last question before we'll, I promise we'll move on to some other stuff here, but I just want to say one thing real quick, and I want you to back me up here. And yeah. we talked about this off air. Everybody he thinks volleyball stats are hard. He did, did you even try it? Because I tried it for the first time ever last weekend. It's not that hard. Yeah, would you agree with me? 
Yes. So like once you kind of get in the rhythm, you might still have anxiety. Yeah. Because like I still get anxiety every time I do. I was just doing it this weekend. And I've been doing it since 2013, and I still got anxiety, but it is not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, yeah I, get, and if you if you have the right setup, you know you essentially prepare to fail. Um, or I, I shouldn't say you prepare to fail. You have that option mm-hmm. to get behind if you do. So we have the inputter, we have the caller, and we have somebody just writing. So, you know, if I, let's say I, you know, dig and I hit whatever, if I hit dig again and uh-huh. the statue doesn't let me do it, I'll just look at the line number, I'll say write that line number down and mark that play, and we'll come back to it. Mm-hmm. And if the score is off for a few rallies until someone calls a timeout, the score is off for a few rallies. Yeah. You know, that's just the way it is, and... There was one set we were essentially playing catch up the entire set, but the stats were right, and in the end, no one will know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's true. We did. even though I just told everybody, but yeah, like, that's but that's just it. Like, yes, it's it's stressful, but once you get the hang of it, yeah, it, it's it's a easy beast to tame, and like you said, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So mm-hmm. I have those contingencies in place. Let's transition this part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. First one I have for you, Sean. Get your get your pad of paper out there, bud. Got uh, <laughs> uh, favorite memory in your professional tenure? So um, I actually have two parts to this. Um, the first part, you know, obviously like the big wins and and that sort of thing. Um, definitely the 2016 baseball regional. Simo baseball had won three straight championships, and in the OVC, you have to win the tournament to get the automatic qualifier. Yeah. Like this year, they actually did get you know an at large bid because Tennessee Tech just went off. Um, but I mean, they had a just absolutely out of their head season. Um, and the first two years we didn't win that tournament hmm. and it was so hard, like, you know, great season. We went back to back and no NCAA regional to show for it. Finally, the third year, you know, we won back to back to back and we finally won that tournament. We actually had to come through the loser's bracket to, to win it. And that was just, and it was, it was so chaotic getting ready for it, getting a postseason packet ready doing you know all the all the phone calls like everything that goes into a regional all of that it was chaotic it was crazy it was busy and then i don't think i'll ever forget this feeling of just this just just swept over me of just relaxation once first pitch was thrown mm-hmm. like first pitch was thrown it was like okay let's just play baseball play ball yeah it was great um Definitely the Women's College World Series was a big one. Um, never thought I would, you know, be covering a team that went to a World Series. Um, the second part of this, though, is um, I've had two friendships that I don't know if you've had this experience or how many people actually have, but it's, you know, we're playing against a team. This has both been baseball. And where somebody on that team, like, happens to come into my life, you know, later down the road, and I end up being best friends with them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, one of them, uh, Joe, we were playing, we actually opened up at Oral Roberts in 2014. He was the second baseman. He eventually came to SEMO as um, the volunteer, really got to know him. Uh, I'm actually in his wedding in November in Oklahoma. There you go. Um, and then the other one, he was a pitcher at Belmont, and he came to SEMO as a volunteer coach. Ended up being my roommate. And he's actually the one whose sister was our intern, who's now full-time here at Georgia. Um, So it's just kind of like little things like that that's, you know, somebody's just on this field that, you know, you're covering this game, and one of them is essentially going to be your best friend one day. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely like one of the cooler experiences I've had. I've had um, people that I've competed against all of a sudden be my, like one of the student-athletes I cover. I paid attention to Indiana cross country a lot, and I know where everybody went and everything. And I see these familiar names on the roster now, and I'm like, I never, I, I thought I would be beating you on the course. I didn't think I would actually be covering you like exactly. at this point. So, uh, what about on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? Um, there was one volleyball stats horror story, but that was like my first year. Uh-huh. Like, you know, we were just in a mad scramble, and you know, we we weren't writing at that time, so we got behind and. I don't even want to see the box score and like what it should be um, <laughs> just because it was like awful. Um, but probably another one was um, my second year as the assistant at SEMO. Um, you know, we were in the process of hiring an assistant director and 
uh, I was kind of filling in for women's basketball and they were taking a trip to New Mexico. And, you know, by the time we hired somebody, we already had to turn in the, um, like the list of people who were going. So because we didn't have an assistant director at the time, it was like, okay, I guess I'm going. Uh, it was a Thanksgiving trip. Um, we played Arkansas. We lost. We lost both games. It was my first Thanksgiving with my family. We had Thanksgiving at Golden Corral. <laughs> it was in New Mexico. Like, uh-huh. looking back on it, you know, it made me better. But as like at that time, I was just like, this is miserable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. So uh, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Um, always be learning. You know, no matter what the opportunity is to try something new, just take it. Because you never know like when that's going to come back around. Uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, just take every opportunity you can take. Yeah. And really no job is too small. So even if you're a director somewhere and you need to help stuff envelopes with the interns or whatever, if it's going to get the job done faster, just if you can take the time, if you can take the 15, 20 minutes to do it, just do it. Like, you know. So that's that's a piece of advice that somebody told me once, that somebody told her, and that's definitely stuck with me. So Awesome. Sounds good. So what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Um, well, social media is always changing. Mm-hmm. Like, you can never really keep up with it. You know, We think we might have a grasp on it right now, but then I'll see something on Twitter that's like, oh, that's really cool. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then always Photoshop. I mean, like, I think I'm pretty decent at Photoshop. But there's still so much about Photoshop that I don't know. I don't think anybody will ever know everything about Photoshop. Um, so just, like, learn the basics. and I mean, those are, that I know. But in terms of, like, giving advice, just learn the basics. And um, YouTube is your best friend. Yeah, yeah. That's, learning that's, Photoshop. That's the truth, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I always feel like I'm pretty good. At the time when this episode comes out, I, I'd have a cross-country graphic out for our schedule release. And I thought that was pretty great. And then I look on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like in the bottom <laughs> tier, you know, <laughs> that happens to me a lot, humbles me a little bit. So, uh, in your mind, what characteristics or traits make a good SID? Um, I always enjoy talking to other SIDs who, you know, are just really conversational. Um, we had a couple of SIDs this past weekend for a volleyball tournament. It was, uh, Chandler at Furman and then Shelby at Illinois state. And, you know, both of them just, just awesome women in the profession and just being able to like sit down and bounced ideas off of them and you know they're both at mid-majors and I just came from a mid-major 10 months ago and so you know we kind of could share those those horror stories if you will um and this is a really big pet peeve of mine but SIDs are the ones who send game files out like right after the game like if I get to like five or ten minutes and I haven't sent a game file yet mm-hmm. I'm starting to get like really antsy like I need to get back to my computer I've got to send the game file yeah out. um <laughs> Like, I've had, you know, I, I understand that, you know, things get very hectic after games, but I've waited hours for a game file a couple times, mm-hmm. and, like, I've never been, like, so peeped in my life. It's just, like, <laughs> I just want to, especially when it's a late game, uh-huh. it's like, I just want to, you know, enjoy my night, and I have to sit here and worry about waiting for a game file. Yeah. Um, and then I actually re-listened to Morgan Roman's uh, podcast not too long ago, and her answer to this question was SIDs who have great relationships with coaches and student athletes. And that's always something that I've taken pr- like pride in myself. And that just goes back to being around and being there. And, you know, that's something that I greatly appreciate yeah. in what we do. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, next time someone's in Athens because you have to be because Georgia game yes. day. I'm on my list. Yes. Uh, restaurant or bar recommendation? Oh my God, there's so many. Um, I did write down, uh, if you want breakfast food, you gotta go to Mama's Boy. There's two locations. Okay. Uh, I've actually never been to the original, just because it's always packed, but there's actually another one, like kind of on the outskirts of Athens. Uh, it's actually really pretty. It's Mama's Boy at the Falls. Um, just great southern breakfast food. Yeah. Like You can't beat it. Um, the place downtown is also another place I like very good, good, like Southern comfort food. Um, and if you want fried chicken, obviously you have your choice of all of the fried chicken chains, but if you want, this is also a chain, but it's not a fast food chain. It's called Champies. Um, pretty good fried chicken. Okay. And then if, if you're looking for a, uh, an adult beverage, 
um, All Good Bar is a good place, and we've also got two breweries here in town that are pretty solid. Awesome. Well, um, work-life balance. What do you do to have fun? Um, shamefully, really nothing. Um, <laughs> mainly just, like, my relaxing is just hanging out with friends, um, whether that's, you know, watching TV or um, the occasional sporting event. I'm a big Cardinals fan. Um, in fact, one of my friends was gracious enough to log into his MLB account on my Apple TV so I can watch Cardinals games now. Um, but, yeah, just hanging out, maybe playing a card game, having a drink, just kind of chillaxing. And when mm-hmm. I say friends, I mean coworkers because, you know, we hang out with our coworkers all the time. Yeah, you don't see anybody um, else, yeah. <laughs> so I think that goes across the board for really anybody in our profession. Uh, but, yeah, like I need to start being maybe a little more active. Um kind of put on some pounds this summer and I'm not too proud of myself about it. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe they had some questions for you, follow up, what would be the best way to do it? Um, my email is Sean S S E A N S at sports.uga.edu. Um, also Twitter and Instagram at S Stevenson 91 and Stevenson is with a V. Okay. Sounds good. Well, Sean, uh, finally able to get you on. Really do appreciate it. This was a fun one, so hope you had fun. I sure did. I mean, like I said, long-time listener, first-time caller. That's right. <laughs> um, what you do is just a great way to, you know, network. And because Coastside, it was my first Coastside. And, you know, there were definitely some names that pop, popped up here and there that was like, you were on the podcast. Like, I, I know who you are. Um, yeah. So yeah, like this is this is great what you do. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. And I'm sorry, I, I know you asked me. Was it you that asked me to go to lunch with you on the final day of Cosida? No, I think it was just like put a face with the name. Oh, I think okay. You already like left for a wedding. Yeah, I was at my uh, my uncle's wedding, and, and and to be completely honest with you. I would have much rather been back, you know, just <laughs> at Cosida. So uh, that's that's my wedding experience. But again, thanks for coming on, Sean. Really do appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you, David. Well, guys, there you have it. Next week, we will have Zach Durlam of the Florida Gators on. And be sure to be part of our newsletter, sidcast.fireside, F-I-R-E-S-I-D-E dot F-M slash newsletter. Uh, it's a Google form. You'll fill it out. You'll be able to participate. Let us know what you think about this uh, episode, and you can, maybe that might influence something, hint, hint. Um, our newsletter subscribers got a pretty big hint uh, about a week ago when we launched our new T-shirts. You can find those at cottonbureau.com slash products, slash SIDcast. SIDcast is all uh, lowercase. Um, but like I said, what did I say earlier? Zach Durlam next week, like I mentioned. Rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, not Spotify. Well, yeah, Spotify. I get them and SoundCloud mixed up in my head for some reason. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it goes a long way in exposing the show. Um, it goes a long way with the algorithm that iTunes uses, the algorithm with Google Play uses with, with just about anybody out there. Um, go ahead and do that. Email us anytime, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. Follow us on social media at sportsinfocast on both Twitter and Facebook. You can follow me personally at David Gibson underscore XC. Uh, you can also friend me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, do whichever you have to do. I don't care. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. But uh, anyway, guys, Zach Durlin, next week. I want to thank you all for listening to episode number 92, and we hope to catch you all in the next episode.